The most asked for national holiday ever, right? Super Bowl Monday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being hungover and uh, appeasing your hangover with some baseball. Jack Aram, just baseball show for Monday, February 13th. We're recording at 1.15 uh, on February 12th. So this is like, what, five hours before the Super Bowl kicks off? Uh, I've got Philly to win. You've got Kansas City to win, right? Yes, and most importantly, February 12th is the day that you were born 25 years ago. I didn't right? agree. So, I didn't agree. Yeah, I know you didn't. Birthday on the podcast. We don't, we don't need to go too deep into it. All I want to say is if you were a prospect, you'd be cooked. I'm so cooked, dude. Like, I'm, you'd be I'm traded done. to Oakland for a reliever if you were a prospect. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, is yeah. that so? Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's what the 25-year-old prospect that the Marlins had just just, just happened to. So, JJ, today we're going to talk <laughs> about that. But happy birthday to Jack. Uh, if you are listening and follow Jack on social media, shoot him a tweet, shoot him a DM so that he has to say thank you. Um, <laughs> if you want to make him even more uncomfortable, send him a video just singing him happy birthday. Um, so. You know. We were actually about- that wouldn't work the same way because it, it, the whole point is the discomfort, like how uncomfortable you are yeah. during the singing of happy birthday yeah, because you don't know what to do with yourself. So we've got like a company group text with a bunch of the writers and editors and everything like that, our video people, graphics people. And um, you, you mentioned something like that, right? It's everybody wish Jack a happy birthday. So he has to say thank you to all of them. And, a couple of days ago, I pointed out some character flaws. Uh, our college baseball guy is a Pirates fan. Um, and I said, your character flaw is hoping for something positive from the Pittsburgh Pirates in recent years. Your character flaw is, you know, you go back and watch Juco defensive tape of like the 10th best prospect in the red system. Yeah. And my character flaw is I'm an asshole. So I'll probably just like the tweet and I won't say thank you. So yeah, you can stay away from doing that. But there's no way I'd rather prep for the Super Bowl on the B-Day than having red wine at one. Oh, you've got some vino, too. It's all about vino. Having red. I can do whatever I want, man. Um, <laughs> so it's it's having red wine. It's um, talking about A.J. Puck for J.J. Bleday. I'm it's talking about an incentive-laden Alex Reyes deal with the Dodgers, who everybody is just like deeming this total success of a signing for the Dodgers now because the Dodgers did it. And yes, I want correct. to talk about that. And then we're going to grade uh, the uh, the off seasons of NL West teams. So that's that. I, I want to start with Blade and Puck. I'll open the floor to you and then I'll fill in where I think you may be missing. Yeah. I don't think you're going to miss much. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and, and I think you, know, you can definitely add a lot of context to, to these guys because, you know, you're – you're always on it with the with the college guys, right? And and you always 
I think you follow the college guys closer because I, I don't know. There's uh, this is an anecdotal uh, you know pickup that I kind of have from you is that you, know, you love to follow like that lefty college guy that dominated at UF AJ Puck or that breakout uh, outfielder for Vanderbilt that has really turned himself into a really exciting prospect JJ Bleday. What's interesting is both of these guys top six picks. Uh, both of which did not really have their careers go the way that they wanted for different reasons, right? AJ Puck, you have a guy that really just dealt with injuries. When he was healthy in the minors, shoved. When he was healthy in the big leagues at points was good, but then also tried to pitch through injuries as well. Uh, Blade, it's a little bit different. It's just never really quite put it together with Wood. Like other than the cape, he could never really mash with a wood bat and and it was that simple and the power wasn't there and and i'll get into the swing and the intricacies and everything there i want to start with just the trade in a vacuum jack because then and i'll get into the into the weeds of of jj bleday and why i I think the marlins were okay with selling off yeah uh, from from what they have at this point with him because you know i got a lot of texts about this one which was funny because i'm in colorado right now if those watching on youtube i'm visiting my mom um and it was one of those situations where I didn't have reception because of the mountains. And right. so I didn't see the trade until an hour later. And an hour later, I get eight texts. What the hell is this trade from people? I don't talk to that much people. I do talk to my cousin, whatever it may be. Um, and a lot of people at first were, were like, I don't get this because of this very simple point. Why would a team that has a ton of pitching trade kind of a semi disappointing or, or disappointing outfield prospect that still has some hope for Another pitcher who has been semi-disappointing, who still has some hope and and showed some good things last year, but showed more ability to contribute at the big league level last year, which is what we'll get into. And what I what I really responded to all of them is that that part at the end. Right. A.J. Puck helps your big league team. Now, J.J. Bleday may never help your big league team. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think the Marlins saw J.J. Bleday at the big league level last year. They've seen him at the minors for the last couple seasons. He's made a lot of adjustments. They've been patient. He's made swing adjustments. He's made approach adjustments. He's done a lot of different things. And it hasn't clicked. And I think at this point for the Marlins, he was not going to break into that roster. He's behind Jesus Sanchez, who's competing with Brian De La Cruz for at-bats. And yeah. Peyton Burdick is a toolsier version of Lede. So I think where he was at in the pecking order, they figured this might be our last chance to salvage any value for our former, for, former first-rounder. And guess what? A.J. Puck, I think, instantly has the upside to be their best reliever from yeah. day one. So I think that's something that really helps them for this year. Obviously, he's not going to make him a playoff team, but I like the move. So you mentioned Burdick, you mentioned Jesus Sanchez, you mentioned Brian De La Cruz. I would take Harar Encarnacion over Blade right now because Harar has shown that he has this otherworldly pop. He showed it, what, in double, and then he showed it in triple. Then he got just like a brief, brief cameo. Yeah, I never got a fair shot. He didn't have a fair shot and he hit a grand slam in his, what, MLB debut, right? So yeah. And then you just got Mangum in a trade with the Mets for Eliezer Hernandez and uh, another reliever. Who am I missing? Um, uh, Jeff Brigham. Brigham. Yeah. So Eliezer and Brigham returning you Mangum is a really solid pickup in terms of outfield depth. Obviously, your guy Griffin Conine, J.D. Orr could get a shot at some point. Like there are a lot of options here. They traded from a surplus to go get something they needed help with. And I think the Rule 5 pickup with Enright and the trade to grab Puck is a massive, massive upgrade for the Marlins. Um, I loved your king and my king. Um, Maybe the most influential person in the United Kingdom, Peter Pratt, tweeted out the bubble screenshots on Baseball Savant. 
AJ Puck looks a lot like Josh Hader, I'd call it a win. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Like, I love him. I'm telling you, we've talked about it. We want Pratt on the pod. I need Peter Pratt on this podcast. Yeah, no, no. When the Marlins are five and two to start the season, we're bringing them on. I'm in. <laughs> Just before it's too late. Um, but w- what I will say is, you know, this bullpen was it was a question mark for me. It's still, you know, it, it's it's a question mark. But they've quietly and slowly addressed it. And, and you know what? This is a team that doesn't. They're not going to spend a lot of money. And if they're going to spend money, they're going to try to do it on the offensive side. It's hard to justify spending on the reliever side when you're a low budget team and you only have so much, you know, so much ability to add in certain areas. Both, you know, both these guys have a lot of control. I think for the, for the, for Oakland, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're deep in the rebuild and yeah. you don't really need AJ Puck, but what is a reliever going to do for you at this point? He wants to to start a little bit. It's not going to happen in Miami. He wanted to start a little bit in Oakland, but think about the guys that Oakland just added Jack, they added Kyle Muller. They added Ken Waldachuk. They added who else am I missing in terms of the lefties? I mean, but th- there was a couple of other guys, but they're so deep with, with these big league ready prospect arms that it's like why why would you try to put puck back in the rotation when he's been consistently hurt so you would have been holding on to a reliever and you know he's going to be less and less controllable and he'll be 30 and then you're just going to let him walk instead you can take a flyer on an outfielder that they've been interested in for a while the marlins had had you know iterations of trade talks around ramon loriano before last year and and oakland wanted blade i don't know why i think he fits the like can he get on base mold and that's another funny thing that peter pratt put out was jj blade highlight tape from his big league uh stint with the marlins and it was just a walk um and and that was it but Boudet's a patient hitter. He, he's kind of adjusted his approach to be a mistake hitter, uh, which you, you can be productive enough that way. But if you watched his at-bats, man, like just how many times he fouled off a hanger or a center cut fastball, his swing is just, it's inconsistent. It, you, you feel like he's just always just a tick off. And it was a little bit frustrating to see that. And then the power is just not totally there. He never was consistently tapping into that exciting power that people hoped. So the hit tool was closer to average than it was supposed to be. And I think it's below average at this point. And the power is closer to average than the plus it was supposed to be too. And I think the Marlins figured at this point, I don't think it was going to happen. And I think I'm okay with the trade. I think people are a little too caught up with, oh, he's a first round pick. Remove the titles at that point. Look at all of the players in a vacuum. Otherwise, you are going to be underselling or overselling your assets, and you're going to put yourself in a bad position. Marlins got better for this year, and you know what? I'm interested to see what what uh, you know what Puck can do yeah. in another season with Mel Stoudemire Jr., you know, a, a guy that really helped Jesus Lizardo after he struggled in Oakland and came over. Uh, and and I know Puck's a buddy of Lizardo, so I know he's excited about that. But, right. you know, w- with with Mel Stoudemire Jr. getting his hands on on Puck, who already had something click for him last year, you know, what do you think this guy can be? Because he is going to be 27 or 28 on opening day. Um, obviously, the, the upside, there's a little bit more there, but it's probably limited to high leverage reliever at this point. You know, what do you think puck can be? It's obviously not Josh Hader, uh, yeah. but you know, w- what do you think the Marlins could be hoping for here? Yeah. So he's 27. He's going to celebrate his 28th birthday on April 25th. So that's less than a month into the season. So, you know, this is a guy where like, I think the ship has sailed on him being a starting pitcher. And you mentioned the depth that you have in the A system, how he wouldn't be getting starts. Paul Blackburn will start over puck. Caprellian will start over puck. Um, they just signed Rasinski. Like, I guess he would start over Puck. They just signed, uh, what, Shintaro Fujinami? I don't know yeah. anything about him, but he would start over Puck. 
You got Waldachuk, you got Muller, uh, you've got JP Sears who would be starting over Puck. And then you probably want to audition Freddie Tarnick. You probably want to yep. audition Luis Medina because again, these guys are four years younger than AJ yep. Puck. And obviously they've got more control. What I will say about Puck is this guy, when you look on a pitch-by-pitch basis this past year, this was his first full year, right? 66 innings. Opponents had a BABIP under 290. Like, opponents had a 286 BABIP, which shows you when they put the ball in play, it's not hammered at all. He's a swing-and-miss guy, and he's a weak contact inducer. Four-seam fastball, sits 97. Opponents hit under 220 against it. Slider in the mid-to-high 80s. Opponents hit 202 against it. The sinker is fine, but if he's a fastball slider guy that big, he's 6'7", 250. <laughs> from that weird arm slot where the ball's coming from right field, it's that Chris Sale-type arm slot. I think you can have a nasty, nasty setup guy here. I don't know yeah. if he's got closer makeup because it's like failed starter type thing, um, but you don't need closer makeup from him. You could have an exceptional guy that causes lefties a serious fit in a bullpen that really needed swing and miss, right? <clears throat> I have always made fun of the Marlins like sinker baller approach with their reliever. So now they get a, a, a reliever that I think is their best swing and miss guy. Uh, think Tanner Scott with better command, right? And, and that's, that's what they're getting here. So between puck and Scott, now they've got two lefties. And the last thing we'll say before we spend too much time talking about this, you know, at the end of the day, not that much of a ground breaking move is remember the Marlins shipped out their lefty, Richard Blyer to get Matt Barnes, a righty who, you know, isn't great, but is uh, has experience in high leverage and, and is, again, one of their better, you know, high leverage relievers. And then they just replaced that lefty with a better lefty in A.J. Puck. So yeah. the, the, this Marlins team isn't good, but I think Kim is doing the best that she can between the margins and adding a half a win here, a half a win there. And, and you know, that's that's really all you can ask when you don't have much of a budget. So, you yeah. know, I like the move um, and and I'm interested to see how, how Blade does in Oakland with consistent at-bats. But with the fringy power output that we've seen, I think he's going to struggle a bit in that environment mm. out there. But we'll see. I'm wishing him the best. My last thing on Blade is, you know, and, and I'm somebody that gets caught up in, in the high floor college bat narrative, right? Like, you know, that's my kryptonite, high floor college bats. I'm all right. about Tyler McDonough and the Red Sox system still, because all of a sudden he was like a, a 900 OPS guy at NC State and he played all over. Um, Blade slugged 700 at Vandy in 2019. In his minor league career, 230 games, he slugged 400. The last time that the baseball fan really saw J.J. Blade play consistently was probably his junior year at Vandy after he was the best pro prospect on the Cape in 2018. He was really impressive on the Cape. He was he kicked Brewster's ass with yeah. Orleans. He was really good out there. He was what? He had an 870 OPS. He hit 311 with a 500 OBP in 36 games. At Vandy, 71 games, hit 347, had an OPS at 1150. Um, since then, the slug is gone. Yeah, he had like a couple, he had what, a 20 homer season in Jacksonville in 85 but games? Selling out pull side. Like that's yeah, what he man. does. I mean, he hit 230. Like that's not what you took fourth overall. You didn't take a guy that is going to hit 230 with 20 bombs. I don't think that's what he does in Oakland. I think no. that he's probably a 250 guy with 10 to 15 bombs. That's not fourth overall pick. I'd much rather have an elite setup guy than a one and a half, two war player. I totally agree. And, and just for those that are wondering like, well, then what happened to this first round pick? Cause I think there's some interest just around that is, you know, we talked about this on the call up 
and about how you know, I think something that Taylor Davis said when he hopped on the episode with us for our 2018 redraft, go check that out. Um, is that there's a point in time in which everybody has some you, you, people catch up to you as a player, it's money right? ball. It's yeah. money ball. We're, but, we're all told you can't play this game anymore, but, right? But, that's extreme. There's a point in which people catch up to you unless you're Justin Verlander or whoever, right? Yeah. Blade was more advanced than all of those college guys. He was, and then once he got to high A, which was his first assignment in the minor leagues, it, it was like, oh shit. He had you know, a 690 OPS. Yeah, it, it didn't really work. And I thought, oh, Florida State League, maybe. No, what we started mm-hmm. to realize is this guy's power wasn't as impactful as we thought. And he started to realize that. So what does he start doing? I'm going to go pull side and I'm going to try to, to get as much out of my juice as I can. And as a result, he did hit for more power, but more swing and miss um, lower yeah. Babbitt. Cause he's rolling over on a lot more and, and going pull side and he's easier to game plan for and how he counteracted that. I'm going to swing less. I'm only going to look for stuff middle in. And that's what I'm going to try to do. The better the pitchers are, the more they're going to pick that apart. What it boils down to me last thing is, JJ Bode's max exit velocity last year was 108 miles an hour. See, that's good if you're a 55 hit tool guy. He's not a 55 hit tool guy. He's a three true outcome hitter at this point. And if you're a three true outcome hitter with a 108 mile per hour max exit velo as a pole heavy guy, it's not going to happen. And I think the Marlins kind of sensed that and figured that the profile is very unlikely to pan out at the big league level. Yeah. I, I love this move for Kim, Kim Ang. I love this move for the Marlins. Um, I mean, overall, like I, I'd say Kim just came out a winner here. A- yep. And I don't like putting final grades on something a day after it happens and before either of these guys play a game for their new team. Um, but that's kind of what you have to do in the offseason. And first response, first reaction to this trade was think the Marlins won this one after the first reaction to the trade with Minnesota is I think the Twins won this one. Yep. So. Um, all right, we're going to start with the Dodgers when grading the NL West, but I do want to talk about what just happened uh, on Saturday, and, and that's the Dodgers inking Alex Reyes to a heavily incentivized two-year deal with a club option for, I think, $3 million. Obviously, it escalates to like four and a half or five if he hits some incentives, and I don't think those incentives are public yet, but this is no, a guy that was- It can escalate to 10 to 10 really yeah damn all right so reyes is a guy that had shoulder surgery this past may um we know he was an all-star caliber all-world closer at the beginning of the 2021 season we know he was a top 10 prospect in baseball and arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball when he was coming up but he has been injury hampered to the point that he was non-tendered by st louis and the, the the one problem I had with what was going on on the Twittersphere and uh, in, in a lot of writing on Saturday was everybody was labeling this as a massive win for the Dodgers, right? It's, oh, yeah, the Dodgers are going to work their magic on Alex Reyes. And to that, I say, nobody knows jack shit about Alex Reyes, because if it was going to click with an organization that wasn't the Dodgers or Tampa it was probably the St. Louis Cardinals. And if the Cardinals are non-tendering this guy, he's a wild card. I don't want to hear sure thing and he's going to regain form about him just because he's a Dodger. Same thing with Syndergaard, right? Oh, he's a Dodger, so he'll be throwing 99 again. The Dodgers can't work miracles on Noah Syndergaard, no. and they sure as hell can't make Alex Alex Reyes healthy right away. And, and I'll be honest, I like the pickup in a vacuum. Yeah, but I agree with everything you're saying. I know you do too. 
Um, no, but, I wouldn't say it if I didn't agree with it. <laughs> yeah, Noah Syndergaard, I think, is a much more likely candidate to be impacted by the Dodgers than an Alex Reyes because Syndergaard's coming off of a season where he actually threw a decent amount of innings and you know found some success at the end. And you know maybe there's an adjustment to his pitch usage or you know the shape of some of his stuff or maybe mechanical change that could put him over the top. Alex Reyes has been injured for the last eight years on and off, right? And this is a guy that's not going to be ready for the start of the season. This isn't his only shoulder issue. This isn't his only arm issue. The Dodgers are not miracle workers when it comes to health. They don't have, you know, I, I remember like, was it Joe Madden bringing in like the witch doctor when he was in Tampa or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, well, and you know, Liam Hendricks. They don't, they don't, they're like not going to cast a spell. Yeah. They're not going to, yeah, a tarot card reader. They're not going to like, cast a spell on Alex Reyes and now he's going to be impervious to the incredibly unlikely statistics like very frustrating statistics around not only shoulder injuries repetitive shoulder injuries and hard throwers look I love the deal because at the end of the day they don't really care if it doesn't work out they've got a million other relievers and the roster spot's not going to kill them and also the upside of 2 million in incentives for for this year and then 8 million in incentives on top of next year is something that they don't care about either uh, but what i think is is really important here is not a lot of teams are deep enough and willing to give a big league deal and a big league roster spot to, you know, a guy that might not be ready for the start of the season and may be really rough out of the gate. You don't know what you're getting. The Dodgers can afford to do that both financially and roster spot wise. And that's why they did it. Guess what? If if every team was dying to do this, Reyes would have been signed months ago, man. Mm -hmm. This is a really late point in the season for reliever to get picked up. We saw Chafin get picked up late too. Uh, but I think this is a total roll of the dice that the Dodgers are willing to do because of the upside. This has nothing to do with Dodger magic. That's hey, not what this is. And don't tell me the Dodger magic ID'd Alex Reyes is the guy that they're going to perform witchcraft on because they are playing the numbers. They did this exact same thing a couple months ago with a fella who had 24 and a third scoreless innings before going down with shoulder surgery. They signed JP Fireisen after I believe he was DFA'd by Tampa. So they're playing the Shelby numbers. Miller. What? How about Shelby Miller? Did they grab Shelby Miller? Yeah. What the hell? How am I missing these things? Um, but like you're doing this with Shelby Miller, you're doing this with Fire Eyes, and you're doing this with Alex Reyes. They're just hoping that one of the three is remotely close to what they once were. They're not going to go three for three. Can we just acknowledge that? Like as a collective unit, they're not going to go three for three here. So it's crazy. You look at um, injuries, you, JP Fireisen, shoulder surgery, Alex Reyes, shoulder surgery, Blake Trinan, shoulder surgery, and then Shelby Miller. You can, you know, list it all. It's just not listed in the roster right. resource, but because um, he's at the Miller's moment. a TJ guy right now. Yeah. And, but he's Miller's had a few different ailments through the years. Right. Um, so yeah, you're just, they're just playing the percentages, which is fine, you know, and, and, and it's going to work with one of them. Mm -hmm. I think Fireisen most likely because that was his first injury I, I think it's very unlikely that trinan works out and i think reyes is almost a second trinan here and i yeah. think they figured okay we got two trinans let's see if one of them works and i like it in that in that sense but if you're all pissed at your team for not doing this i, I don't know Couldn't if be. you totally uh, like are are giving enough i guess emphasis on what goes into the the likelihood of this working and also just the roster spot and the money uh, for a lot of teams, especially with the second year option too. Um, so th there's there's a lot there's a lot around this, but at the end of the day, 
this if he if he's healthy, this bullpen would be so comically disgusting that it just wouldn't be fair. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, let's jump in with the Dodgers here. Here's what they did. And we're just going like big fish right now because, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, J.D. Martinez signed a free agent deal with the Red Sox for one year. They signed David Peralta to a one-year deal, I think $6.5 million. Um, they trade Jacob Amaya for Miguel Rojas on their bench. They do sign Jason Hayward uh, to a free agent deal. He's a non-roster invite to spring training. But as of right now, looks like he's on the projected bench. They signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year free agent deal. They grabbed Shelby Miller on a free agent deal. Uh, and then again, they they grabbed J.P. Fireisen and Alex Reyes for pennies on the dollar. Um, I don't love this offseason at all. You tell me that a projected opening day bench of Austin Barnes, Miguel Rojas, and Chris Taylor, and Jason Hayward is good. I don't believe you one bit. I think it's a no. bad bench. Um, you're, you're phasing out pajes and you're phasing out james outman um with the david peralta signing i mean i don't know where to go with this grade i wish they did more especially in the starting rotation with bueller on the mend there were better one-year candidates here hell there were better two-year candidates here as of right now the projected starting five kershaw urias gonsal and may fine Syndergaard is the five terrified yeah, the good news is they've got Bobby Miller and and you Gavin know, Stone. even Ryan Pepio potentially, or you know some other options. Of course, we 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 love we love 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 what they've got going on there with Gavin Stone as well. But you know, at the end of the day, this is the Dodgers. You're not you're not counting on prospects. That's not what you're supposed to do. No, isn't this off season by the Dodgers very San Francisco Giants? Yeah. In terms yes. of like just kind of like platoonish guy here, uh, like an okay signing there. Um, and, and I know the Giants were way bigger in terms of the signings this year, but over the last couple of years, like this was a very San Francisco Giants offseason to me. Um, you know, they kind of address some areas, but it's a pseudo address. Uh, I, I, I liked the moves that they made in a nutshell if there were bigger moves to, you know, accentuate that, right? Like, I, I don't love the idea of an outfield of David Peralta, Trace Thompson, and then, of course, Mookie Betts. But Mookie Betts might end up sliding into second. And if Mookie Betts slides into second, then what the hell is your outfield? Then you put Chris Taylor out there. Uh, so it's going to be, what, Taylor, Thompson, and Peralta? Like, I don't really like that. Uh, Rojas is a great bench guy. I think yeah. that was a good pickup in that regard, because he is an elite defensive shortstop. If Gavin Lux gets like the yips again defensively, or, you know, you just have a middle infield issue where Vargas isn't working out or Mookie, you don't want him there, whatever. Like Rojas is going to play gold glove caliber shortstop. Uh, and, and that's, that's the good thing. And I think he's going to bounce back slightly offensively to be, you know, a good bench bat. But I, I agree. I think there's a lot of areas where I look at the Dodgers. I don't think it's a gaping hole, but I don't think it's, Oh, this is definitely a team that's going to, you know, outrun and outperform the Padres over 162. I don't know if I totally sense that. And the Padres have some of their own questions too. But I just don't get that vibe from this team uh, when you are starting a guy in Trace Thompson that you're putting a lot of stock in a bounce back from last year. And I, I get it. You can put Chris Taylor out there, but 
Chris Taylor took a step back last year. Um, you know, I'm not expecting Hayward to be on the team by June. And, you know, maybe Altman can come up. Maybe one of these other prospects can come up. But that's a big assumption. So, I, you know, I, I just don't feel like this was a traditional Dodgers offseason. And I don't know how to feel about it. And I think even Gavin Lux playing a lot more games at shortstop is an assumption. Yeah. There's a lot of assumptions here on top of Tony Gonsolin staying healthy, who struggled with his health at the end of the year and was babied all season long. Dustin May coming off of injury. Noah Syndergaard being relied on to stay healthy. Clayton Kershaw is old and, and doesn't stay <laughs> healthy. It's it's pretty it's pretty weird, man. I'm not I'm surprised by this one. We we talked about this um a little bit earlier on this offseason. Kershaw, Urias, Gonsolin, May, Syndergaard. How much confidence do you have in any of those guys throwing more than 170 innings this year? I've got next to no confidence there. Urias has to take Urias. a step up. But like he was out after six, like pretty much every time. He was protected. The ERA was great, but he never worked deep into games like Sandy. And that's why Sandy was the unanimous Cy Young winner because Urias was good. Urias, I think, had a better ERA, but he never worked that deep into games. Yep. They protected them. Obviously, they've got a good bullpen, but I think this team needs a horse. Walker Bueller has been that guy. He'll be that guy in 2024, but you had to figure out a way to get through 23 without Walker Bueller. I just don't know if they did it when it comes to finding a horse. It's I'm telling you, man, I've, I've put, I'm putting a lot of stock in Bobby Miller. Like Bobby Miller might be an X factor for this, which is crazy. There's, there's a few X factors. So, but like, yeah, but that's why I dock them because you, you are placing so much confidence in the hands of rookie pitchers. You're placing a ton of confidence in Miguel Vargas to be an everyday guy. You're placing a ton of confidence in a lot of unproven guys to help the LA Dodgers. We liked that the Brewers did it clearing away for the youngsters, but the Brewers and the Dodgers are not in the same league, man. And and the Brewers can win, you know, can win that division with a little bit less. You know, I, I think the, the Cardinals, they're obviously a very good team, but they were 93 wins last year, and we're not sure they're gonna match that, right? So, you know, the Brewers, I think it's more feasible, whereas the Dodgers, they, they gotta deal with with the Padres, who I think are 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 coming for them. And and I think even the Giants are gonna be improved. And, and we'll see what the D-backs are are capable of. But at the end of the, the day, Dodgers maybe this is all the Dodgers. Maybe this is all the Dodgers needed to to still pace this division. Maybe that's what they feel, and maybe they go make that big move uh, as, as the season endures uh, at, at some point. Maybe they go do that. The last thing I want to say though is I do like the addition of Fire Ice and, and, and Alex Reyes. I think those are two good moves. Both of those guys won't be ready for a few months, I don't think, or at least yeah. you know for the start of the season. Definitely not Fire Ice, and I know Reyes won't be ready for the start. I think he could beat Fire Ice and back to the field. Both those guys could make the bullpen honestly one of the greatest ever, and like that's what right. that's what's going to be a big selling point for them is that they won't need as much from their starters. So I like that approach of hedging the rotation. But at the end of the day, you're still going to need five innings from these guys. And this is my final point. I think it's very likely, and I hope I'm wrong, but it's just the way it is. It's very likely that multiple of Kershaw, Gonsolin, Syndergaard, and May will miss several starts throughout the season yes who's plugging in for those guys and how are they going to do that's Miller, a big question Stone, and yeah. i don't feel i don't feel great about the answer so that that's where i'm at on that so i went c minus because the dodgers have been a super time or a super team in years prior right like it's always been oh my god who's going to touch the dodgers this year i don't think that's the conversation around the dodgers just on paper my thought is 
if you retain your super team identity, that's a C. If the super team narrative becomes more apparent, that's a C plus or higher. But now I think there are some flaws that are glaring on this roster, and that's why I dock them a little bit. C minus. Well, and something important that we haven't that we didn't do here is who'd you lose? Well, they lost Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, and again, you're plugging in Gavin Lux and Miguel Rojas and maybe Miguel Vargas in the middle infield. Like not shortstop, obviously. Maybe he'd play second, but you know, that revolving door middle infielders here, that's not nearly as good as Trey Turner. So um yeah, I mean, I I feel like a C minus is is harsh, mm-hmm. but this team got worse. So if they got worse, I feel like I got to give them a C minus too. There we go. All right, uh, staying the same, just like we have all damn week. Whatever. The whatever. San Diego Padres, obviously the big fish that they signed was Xander Bogarts, eleven years, two hundred and eighty million dollars. Um, they also grabbed Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz on one-year free agent deals. Looks like they're going to be in the lineup. They grabbed Adam Engel on a free agent deal. I love Engel as a bench outfielder. He's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. He cannot hit for shit. I will tell you that. <laughs> they signed Seth Lugo as a starting pitcher. But they extend Joe Musgrove on that $100 million deal right before the end of the season. They just extended you Darvish on a $100-plus million deal. They extend Robert Suarez on a five-year, near $50 million deal. They grab Jose Lopez, our favorite, the jumbo <laughs> lefty from the Razor. Hell yeah. The Rule 5 draft. That's what they do. Um, Xander Bogarts is obviously the one that that shoots them into the top. And, and the big four is unlike anything we've seen in recent history in baseball with Soto Tatis, when he comes back at the end of April, Machado and Bogarts, but this is a top heavy team. It's a top heavy lineup. It's a top heavy rotation. There's no farm depth for them. Jackson Merrill is still several years away. Methinks um, this bench isn't good. Camposano, Brandon Dixon, Jose Azokar, Adam Engel. I do think they got a lot better. And that starts with number two. That's going to be a shortstop. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a Xander Bogarts, you know, added to your team or anybody of that caliber, you're going to be pretty excited about that. I mean, and then I, I like the the more quiet moves of of Matt Carpenter. Hell, see what Nelson Cruz can do for you. Uh, I, I almost consider him a bench bat at a million dollars, and and I just think he's a great guy to have around. Um, yeah. And I still think that he can be productive in spots. I just don't think he needs to be playing every day like he was in Washington. You keep him fresh. He could be a, a a decent power bat that that hits lefties like a lot of the you know aging longtime stars have done. Um, I don't think they needed to do much with the rotate or with the bullpen other than retain. Um, I'm interested to see the, the, the rotation though. Like that's the question, right? We, we criticized them in the past uh, when we were doing, talking about some off season moves of like, okay, Nick Martinez, Seth Lugo. uh, Are you feeling good about those guys as your four and five starters? I would have loved to have seen them go get a Johnny Cueto um, because, you know, you don't have anybody, as you mentioned, coming up through the system that might come in and be able to to anchor that five spot. Johnny Cueto is their five starter. I'd feel a lot better because at least I know that guy can start. You know, I I don't know how Nick Martinez is going to be. He he was really solid as as a reliever. I don't know how he is as a starter. And even in small stretches that we've seen as a starter, he hasn't been as good. Seth Lugo, we have no freaking clue what he's going to look like as a starter. And again, what's the contingency plan on those guys if it doesn't pan out? You know, like what what are some of the other starting pitching options? Like what are you going to go to to Adrian Morahone? I'll, I'll tell Cohen, you right now. It's Brent Morahone. Honeywell, Ryan Dude. Weathers. 
Julio Tehran? Like, what's what's your plan for the five-starter? If one of these two guys don't pan out, there's a chance that both of these guys are better as relievers. Then what do you do? Right. So my, I, I was almost like going to run you through an exercise. Like, who do you think can actually be a major league starter that is waiting in the wings right now? Morahone. I the jury. I don't think the jury's out yet on Morahone. I think that that's no. an incredibly talented left-handed arm. I think that Morahone could give the Padres serious starts. Jay Groom, the jury's getting close to being out on Groom. Yeah. Uh, Honeywell, yeah. I think the jury's out uh, on on Honeywell. I don't think that he's a major league starter. Reese Neer, uh, he's not. Weathers, obviously, you cannot rule that guy out. He's 23 years old, but he sucked out loud in AAA yeah. last year. Um, Tehran, he's a 32-year-old that, what, is projected a 5 ERA. That feels generous. Anderson Espinosa is a guy that had like a brief cameo with the Cubs last year. Matt Waldron's a knuckleballer that had, I think, like a seven ERA in double A AA or triple A yeah, last no. year. So there, there's really nothing going on. I think that there's a guy out on the market that makes a shit ton of sense for the Padres in a one-year deal. Who am I thinking of? Guy on the market still. Still on the market. Oh, Michael Waka. Might I introduce you to Michael Waka? I think Waka yeah. makes a ton of sense for the Padres. I like that a lot. And again, another guy that like, okay, if if Lugo and Martinez are showing out, Waka can kind of be in that swingman role. Clearly, there's not teams lining up for him. I think he's holding out for that multi-year deal. Give him the multi-year deal. Give Who him cares? The deal. <laughs> Snell's <laughs> coming off the books. Yeah. And and so that's that's a guy that I think is a no-brainer. I think they need to stockpile more arms, especially because I, I still like Waka, even though I think he's due to regress quite a bit. I still like him better than Lugo. I, I, Lugo's a guy that hasn't started any games since 2020, and if I'm not mistaken, those starts in 2020 were mostly just as opener guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he There's only swing and miss pitch is is that breaking ball, and, and even then, like, wasn't that dynamite for him, uh, considering, you know, what – what he would need to do as a starter. He was throwing at 35% of the time last year, which is more than any other offering. You can't do that as a starter. So you're, now you're going to ask Seth Lugo to be a different pitcher. Um, his fastball is good, but that was in shorter spurts. Is he going to still play up at 95? I don't 94, 95. I don't know. So I, I'm interested to see how it looks, but you know, that that's something that I think for a team that is trying to catch the Dodgers and the Dodgers showed some, some signs of maybe vulnerability, at least not being a 111 win team again. Yeah. I'd like to see a slightly better rotation when it comes to the lineup. I love it. I'm glad yeah. they didn't trade Hassan Kim. Um, you know, I think I love depth, Kim, can go, depth can go thin really quickly. And, you know, Kim will be one of the best defensive second basemen. We're seeing this across the game, right? Nico Horner moving off a short to second because the, the, uh, you know, limitation of the shift Bryce Terang, as we've talked about, you know, elite defensive shortstop prospect, he's going to second base. Stop. That's going to be great for them. Like now Hassan Kim, great defensive shortstop, put him at second. Uh, is he a better defensive shortstop than Xander? Probably, but Xander made major strides last year. And yeah. now that makes your middle infield a lot better defensively. And you've got that Machado guy at third. So, you know, I, I love what they've got in field wise. I love, again, the, the, the upside additions of Cruz and Carpenter. I think one of those guys will contribute more likely Carpenter. Yeah. Um, you know, Nolan Camposano is fine as a catching situation. Gr Grisham, if he's your nine hitter and playing a great center field, that's fine. Uh, he's going to run into some baseballs here and there. Uh, but it's tough to grade this one because it's a lot of extensions that I want to reward them for. A couple decent additions, one great addition. And 
at the end of the day, you look at this team, they didn't really lose anything. You know, you could dock them for Josh Bell, but they traded for Josh Bell. You could dock them for Drury. They traded for Drury. They traded both for both those guys to be rentals. They lost yeah. Manaya, whatever. They lost Will Myers. I'm sure they were thrilled about that. Yeah. So a lot of the subtractions were either guys that were rentals. So I'm not going to penalize them for making their team better at the end of last year or guys that were addition by subtraction in Will Myers. So I think that kind of puts them over the top too. They didn't really lose anything. If I'm not mistaken, oh, they lost Mike Clevenger too. Okay. And and I mean, obviously they, they dodged multiple bullets on that one beyond what he was not doing on the field too. He was terrible on the mound and obviously he's worse off the mound allegedly. So, you know, this is, this is a, a off season in terms of what they subtracted. They don't, they're not going to feel much there. So I would go, I would go with solid B on this one. Solid B. You know, I would have liked to see more on the pitching side that could have put it towards a B plus a minus. Uh, but when you add a superstar like Xander uh, and all the other additions you know, that, that aren't the sexiest, but still made them better. And the extensions that could almost make it a B plus, but I'm going to go B. Okay. Um, I actually go B plus. Um, okay. And the reason I do that is, and just tying a bow on Seth Lugo here, you mentioned you thought he was starting as an opener in 2020. He was, uh, he threw under 27 innings in those seven starts. Um, and he had an ERA over six. So this guy is <laughs> unproven as a starting pitcher right yeah. now. Um, while I don't like that, Darvish Musgrove Snell is an elite front three. And that top four in the batting order is unparalleled, dude. I mean, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts is fucking insane. The 2012 Miami Heat, LeBron's first NBA Finals. And yes, I'm going to make this comp. Scoring leaders for the Miami Heat. LeBron at 27 points per game. Dwayne Wade at 22 points per game. Chris Bosh at 18 points per game. After that, Mario Chalmers, Norris Cole, Mike Miller, <laughs> Udonis Haslam, Shane Battier, Terrell Harris, James Joan, Roni Turioff, Joel Anthony, Dexter Pittman. Like, there's a massive, massive drop-off. Mm-hmm. And I know baseball is different than basketball. But you know what? They won the freaking NBA Finals because of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. When it comes down to the World Series, the only reason the Phillies got there, it was not because of Bailey Falter. It was because of Bryce Harper. It wasn't Brandon Marsh either. Yeah, it It wasn't Marsh. It wasn't Marsh. Hell, it wasn't Stott. It was Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, and Aaron Nola. That's why they got there. So if you put yourself in a position to make a postseason run and you've got Soto, Machado, Tatis, Bogarts, and then you've got Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell as your front three in the rotation, feel really good about going to war there. That's the thing. They've got those three three guys at the top. And again, I mean, you know, I don't want to be hypocritical because we, we were talking about the Dodgers, but I don't love the Dodgers top three the nope. same way, right? Nope. Yeah, you know, I know Kershaw's a Hall of Famer, but we're talking about 2023 here. Um, I don't like that top three in a postseason series against the the Padres top three. I don't think it's very close. And in the postseason, it's all about the three-headed monster. That's what it's all about is your three starters. And can you mix in a fourth guy or a good bullpen guy game? The, the Padres will go get that fourth guy. But the, the top three, if we got a, a, a short series, a five-game set or a three-game set or whatever it would be, it would be a five-game set against the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Um, or, or would it be seven now? The playoff format, I 
legitimately forget three game else. three game series in the wild card five game in the ds uh seven game in the cs okay. the world series five game series man like i feel a lot better about the starting pitching matchups with the padres and if they can get into the postseason with what they've got, then they're fine. And I think they're going to be able to do that. And they're going to go get somebody else. I would have liked a little bit more. The extensions help. Um, I could definitely see a B plus, but we'll keep it different. I'll, I'll stick a B. So here, here's the last thing that I want to say about that three-headed monster with the Padres. Uh, Darvish, he's got enough pitches to massage his way through seven innings in the postseason, right? Like he has enough options. And this guy has learned from struggles over the course of a really good career. And I think we're we're seeing the best you Darvish that we've ever seen. Yep. Joe Musgrove is a bad-ass MF. Yep. Musgrove is billed for the postseason. Blake Snell, when he's on, is a bad-ass MF. This guy is built for big games as well. So you've got gamers. Is Arias a gamer? I think so. Yep. But is Gonsolin a gamer? I don't think so. Is Dustin yep. May a gamer? I don't know. We'll is yeah. Kershaw a gamer? Historically, not. So yeah. that's that's the big thing. And I think that's the separator, and that's what pushes me to a B plus. Uh, the San Francisco Giants were in on a whole bunch of guys, and they reportedly agreed with Aaron Judge, Arson Judge. They did not get Arson <laughs> Judge. They agreed with Carlos Correa until it was time for his press conference, and then all of a sudden it was get the hell out of Dodge. But they did have Jock Peterson accept the qualifying offer. They did sign Michael Conforto. They sign Mitch Hanniger. They grab Roberto Perez as the backup catcher to Joey Bart. Might be the starting catcher. Um, and then they sign Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling to free agent deals. They sign Taylor Rogers to free agent deals. They grab Luke Jackson, who's on the men from Tommy John surgery. And they go and trade for Blake Sable, who is selected by Cincinnati in the Rule 5 draft. I think San Francisco, after getting gypped twice, had a pretty successful offseason. I just wish they landed the big fish, although I do think that it sets them up well for an Otani or a Soto run. Yeah, you know, I think I think they made some all right moves. They got hosed in a couple of different ways between the judge situation and they were pretty much used as leverage there. And then, um, you know, like you can't blame them for pulling out of this Correa situation because they weren't the only ones, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they were far from the only ones. Even the New York Mets and the endless money of Steve Cohen after finding this all out, pull it out. So you, you can't really dock the Giants for that. My thing is, you know, how much better the, did this team get? I think a little bit, but I don't feel confident in any of their additions for sure being better than a three-war guy. I love Mitch Hanniger. I thought that was a great addition, but I would have liked a little bit more of a slam dunk around that, right? Because you look at Michael Conforto. We have no freaking clue what this guy's going to be. Again, I, li I like the addition if that's like your one wild card addition, but it's wild card, wild card for your two outfielders. Okay. Then you go to the rotation. Ross Stripling's coming off of the best year of his career. It's yeah. a good pickup. I don't know if he's going to do it again. Sean Manaya is coming off of, I think, the worst he's maybe ever looked. I don't think he's going to do much. And then he talked about some of the bullpen additions. Rodgers was was – Kind of bad last year. He's coming off of one of the worst years we've seen from him. Um, I think they got better, but I don't know if they really made enough of a difference to to give this offseason something like much more than a C plus for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I think that they bought low on Manaya and on Taylor Rogers. I feel a lot better about Taylor Rogers bouncing back than I do Manaya. Oh, absolutely. Although we did get a text from one of our college guys, Ryan Miller, that Sean Manaya 
was at the Waste Management Open with Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. Um, so maybe he's trying to, I don't know, ingest some of that talent from them. Through osmosis? Um, through osmosis, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I don't like... I don't feel great about this rotation right now. Although a month in when they add Kyle Harrison, I feel good about this rotation. Um, I feel decent about the lineup. You mentioned the wild cards. I have no idea what Michael Conforto is going to look like. If And if anybody tells you that they know what Michael Conforto looks like, they're lying. And you can, it's, it's, it's only going to be Scott Boris and he doesn't even know he's just doing his job. Right. So, he's just going <laughs> to put together like a shitty pun to, to yeah. Conforto's ready for the big stage again. And a slideshow. Like that's, that's what he does. <laughs> but you now Christmas came early for the Conforto's, but then he signed in like four months later. Uh, mm-hmm. But look, I, I think they got better. You know, I think Hanniger can help, you know, Conforto could be a bounce back trade chip or whatever. But at the end of the day, this is a team that's still just a, a full tier below, right? And yes. I like the Luke Jackson signing to, to kind of try to put this bullpen over the top. Yeah. And I will say one one super underrated move that I think people are going to start to catch on to, and I think he's going to get a chance early this year, is Brett Wisely. Uh, they made that trade with the Rays in, in the 40-man crunch situation. Wisely's underrated. That guy can really swing it. Uh, he's going to get a chance to, to get up, and he's very versatile and kind of fits that that giant MO. But again, these are these are smaller moves. I agree with what you're saying, Jack. I think they're trying to build a, a base here because they know they're not going to make it all back this year. You're yeah. not going to catch up to the Padres and the Dodgers in one year. But yeah. you can put a better product on the field, build the base, the players around, those role players, right? And then go get your your whale or whales with an S next year in what should be a very talented free agency class. So that's what I think they're doing here. And for that reason, you know, I can give them a C plus, but I'm not going to give them more than that because this team's not going to gain that many wins. If at all, their catching situation stinks. Their outfield situation could turn it into a disaster. Yeah. If Conforto or Hanniger can't stay healthy. And if Yaskremski doesn't improve off of what was a downer year last year, they're banking on Lamont Wade. They're banking on Brandon Crawford, getting back to what he was two years ago. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's, slated to give Wilmer Flores at bats. Like I think there's a legitimate situation where Brett Wisely and Casey Schmidt are up there and, and are better options than Lamont Wade, Wilmer and Flores Sable. And, somebody, and, and Brandon Crawford. And yeah, Sable might be their best catching option. So if that's the case, can't give them better than a C plus, but I, I will say they, they made good enough moves to, to you could see the direction. I, unfortunately we have the same grade again, damn it. Um, but like, how can you not? Because if a C is holding serve, like they're better than they were last year. Yeah. Now they struck out twice. So I got to dock them for that. And they go and grab guys that might blow up in their face. But you know what? I applaud the effort of San Francisco to put together a better product for their fans to go see. Because at for the sure. end of last year, it wasn't that good of a product. No. I appreciate that the product's going to be better on opening. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's a lineup full of names that are, you know, for the most part worth watching or worth saying, Oh, let's see if this guy can blossom into something. I'd, I would absolutely pay seven bucks for a nosebleed seat to go see what Michael Conforto is. Yeah. absolutely. Abs- and, 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 you know, again, like when Mitch Hanniger's up at the plate, like that's, that's a, that's a good big league hitter. Like they've, they've definitely upgraded the product, but the next team, I think, also did the same thing. And I'm really interested to see, I don't know who you're planning to go to next. I don't want to go to the Rockies next. No, no, no. Uh, I think, I think we should round out with them. Talk about putting a product on and a team that gets way better attendance than they deserve. But I'm interested to see how the attendance looks in Arizona, Jack, because look, I I know this isn't a team that's going to compete 
next year. I think there's an outside chance because I think they could be, you know, America's team this year, as we've talked about how it was the Mariners two years ago, last year it was the Orioles. I think this year it's going to be the D backs and all remember all those teams came up short. Um, but I want to see the Arizona community kind of grab onto this team because they're going to be fun. They're going to be competitive and they're just downright better than they've been in the last few years. Um, I'm interested to see where you line up on, on the uh, off season grade here. This is a 2K team. Like if I'm playing a buddy in MLB The Show and we're doing like best of three randoms and I land on Arizona with my second pick, I don't need a third. I want to play with the Arizona Diamondbacks because obviously you have the top prospect in the game in Corbin Carroll, but their massive move obviously was flipping Dalton Varsho to Toronto for Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Not to mention, they sign Evan Longoria to a free agent deal. They go grab Kyle Lewis to see what he's possibly made of. You sign Andrew Chafin to this deal. You sign Miguel Castro to a minor league deal or to a uh, free agent deal. You sign Scott McGough to a major league deal. And you fill out with a couple of um, minor league additions, right? You go and grab Diego Castillo for some middle infield depth from Pittsburgh. You go and grab... Uh, who else? There was a there was an outfielder that they grabbed. Um, an outfielder. No, they didn't. They claim Cole Sulcer on waivers. Um, that, signed, I think that's a good pickup too. I, I was signed, I was pretty surprised that the Marlins did not um, tender him. Right. They they signed Jury's Familia to a free agent deal to see what he's made of. They signed an Austin Bryce to a major or to a minor league deal to see what he's made of. So, um, I obviously the the big fish here is Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for Dalton Varsho. The two for one there, adding Longoria, adding Kyle Lewis, this is a genuinely exciting offense. And I think they have one of the best benches in baseball right now. Because if you go around and say Longoria isn't starting for you, say Josh Rojas is at third, you've got probably Moreno catching. You've got Walker at first. You've got Cattell Marte at second. You've got Nick Ahmed at short. Josh Rojas at third. Corbin Carroll in left. You've got Alec Thomas in center or Thomas in left, Carroll in center, Jake McCarthy in right, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is the DH, and your bench is Carson Kelly, Evan Longoria, Geraldo Pardomo, and Kyle Lewis. That's a fun, fun offense. And not to mention, there's more guys on the way um, to give them pitching help, but to, to echo your point on the offense, I mean, not only is this an offense that could progressively get better, by the way of Corbin Carroll just blossoming, uh, by the way of Alec Thomas blossoming, uh, Christian Walker looks like one of the better power hitters, you know, in, in his division. I mean, it's pretty remarkable to say, but he was. Look at the numbers last year, and every underlying metric points towards that being sustainable. They add Lourdes Gurriel, who's just more of that consistent bat for you. We'll see how much power he hits for, but a really consistent bat. And then Gabriel, Gabriel Moreno. He could be the bet one of the best offensive catchers in baseball yes. uh, if if he's you know tapping into that power. And I don't think people realize like, the question has been how much power is he going to hit for it? Because in game he hasn't always tapped into it. This guy hit a 113 mile an hour line drive that put a hole in the wall in left field. Like the ball got stuck in the wall. He has juice. I've always said that the power is there. But even if it takes him some time to tap into it. He's an elite hit tool guy. He's 70 grade. He's going to hit. And with the more spacious outfield, better hitter environments that he's going to be in now, this guy's going to be such a good bat for them that when Carson Kelly's catching, you're going to find a way to get Moreno in the lineup. You know, I don't know if it's DH or whatever you're going to figure out. He's really athletic. You're going to find a way to get him in the lineup. And the thing is, is there's a few different guys that you could ride the hot hand. When Longo's swinging it, find a way to get him in the lineup, either at third and you can move, move guys around or in the DH spot. 
and, and we'll see what what some of these other dudes can do. But you know, I I feel like this offense has a chance to be actually really good, especially if Cattell Marte bounces back, yeah. um, and if McCarthy can kind of match what he did last year. And then the rotation's the question, right? They they have Zach Gallen though, who's clear cut good ace for a lot of really good rotations. Merrill Kelly is safe and solid. Um, Zach Davies, I think it was really good for them to bring him back because that is just another safe arm that I think really doesn't get enough praise is just really steady through most of his career. And then they've got mad bum, whatever, and Ryan Nelson. But we, we talk about Brandon Fott, who's going to be up there probably pretty early and can help them. And then to, to improve that bullpen, with an Andrew Chafin, right, which I really think puts them over the top in this in this offseason. If they were on the fringe of that B plus for me, that that might put them closer to an A minus. Um, and then Miguel Castro is another really solid reliever. So, you know, I, I like the moves they made. And then the jury's familia bounce back. Let's see what happens. Uh, I think the pitch clock is his worst nightmare, but we'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm almost I'm leaning A minus on this one, man, because I, I really think this team did everything they could to make them more competitive this year. I think that the trade to get a Moreno and a Gurriel uh, when you're trading for a surplus was just amazing. Seize the moment. And I don't think many other teams will ever get an opportunity to acquire a prospect like Moreno like that for one player, for one outfielder that isn't a superstar. He's really good, but he's not a superstar. Um, And and I don't think they're going to really feel that. They also lost nobody in free agency, right? They lost Jordan Luplo. They lost Ian Kennedy and Caleb Smith. Okay. I'm good. Uh, yeah. So this team got a lot better and they're naturally going to get a lot better. I, I, I'm going a minus. Okay. Uh, I'm going B plus. And the only reason I do that, I think I would be with you on the a minus train. Um, if I felt better about their shortstop situation mm-hmm. for 2023 and they feel this sense of allegiance to Nick Ahmed. I, I appreciate why you do like he's, a platinum glove level defender. He's never going to hit enough to be in the lineup often enough to like be this platinum glove recipient. Geraldo Perdomo, a gold glove caliber shortstop, but he can't hit. Um, I wish they went with a time buyer. And the idea of Xander Bogarts, which was floated in November, made all the sense in the world to me. Like I was all about Xander in Arizona. Um, Ahmed, and uh, sorry, I was getting a face time. Ahmed and um, Perdomo is not something that I love. Now, in 2024, on opening day when Jordan Lawler is the shortstop, I'm all about this lineup, man. I mean, I, I think this guy is one of the better, honestly, because of what he does defense and speed-wise, safer shortstop prospects in the game in Lawler. Um I think that this team like knows that he's going to be there in a year. I just wish they went with like an Elvis Andrews on a one-year deal or an Iglesias on a one-year deal. That that's the one thing. So I would say like you know the, the market, the way the the market materialized, it, it just wasn't in the cards for them. There's no reason to give a ten-year deal to one of those guys, and no. I appreciate that they were in on them, uh, but it doesn't make sense for them. Uh, I think they can get by with you know riding the hot hand of of Ahmed or Perdomo, who's whoever's swinging it at that point, and uh, enough. And you know they're both going to defend really well. Sure, you you could have went and got one of those guys, but you know are you going to just cast off Nick Ahmed for a marginal upgrade? I think they like what he brings to the table as one of the continuous veterans there. And I, I while I hear you on that, um, you know I don't know if the the perfect opportunity was out there, and I don't know if Andrews is worth you know, sending off one of the familiar faces in your clubhouse, one of the few guys that's been there through, you know, a lot of change uh, over the last few years and and seeing what Perdomo can do. Uh, But I'm glad we saved the best for last with the Rockies.
Yeah. Um, so you went A minus, I went B plus. The Rockies add Harold Castro in free agency. Uh, they trade for Connor Seabold. They had Pierce Johnson, who is probably the biggest pickup of the offseason. Pierce Johnson, by the way, a guest on a recent episode of Show and Go with Taylor Davis. Find Hell that yeah. wherever you get your podcast. Pierce was actually freaking awesome. Um, I love he's a Colorado guy. They have this obsession with like Colorado guys and like making them theirs. And I'm all about it for Pierce Johnson. Like it couldn't happen to a better dude. They claim Brent Suter off waivers, they claim Nick Mears off waivers. And that's about it. <laughs> I mean, this team, what did what did ownership say at like it wasn't it wasn't like the Rockies convention or anything. I think it was just media availability for the ownership. And they, they said something along the lines of, I truly believe we can be a 500 team this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I believe we can be a 500 team. Damn it. Um, That's everything that's wrong with with baseball. What are you doing? Like, if you're not going to try for more, like, again, I, I'll use like the disgraced Marlins as an example. Kim Ang ain't coming out. Neither is Bruce Sherman sitting saying, I think we could be a 500 team this year because guess what? Like they're hoping everything clicks and that they can do a little bit more than that. Is that a little bit crazy? Sure. But at least they made moves. When you come out and say, I think we can be a 500 team and you did jack shit. That's where it's even more frustrating because at least other teams are trying. I'm not saying that all the moves are good, but at least they're trying. This is just complacency because they know that they're going to be in the top 10 in attendance because they have a beautiful stadium in the middle of Denver and the weather is perfect and there's a million runs every game and it's a fun thing to do and the tickets are cheap and it's bullshit. And, and I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I love that they have good attendance. I don't want that to change, but they don't deserve it. There's a lot of other teams that deserve that attendance. The the fucking D-backs deserve that yeah. attendance. It's 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 really unfortunate and it's annoying. And then they're going to make that one signing here and there. Oh, we got Chris Bryant, though. How happy are you about the, how much we overpaid for that guy that's barely on the field and overrated? Like, I, I just I just don't like anything that they do at that organization. I think Bill Schmidt's done an all right job at, you know, building something from the ground up with the with the farm system and the way that they've approached the draft the last year or so has been good there's brighter days ahead i like their system i like what they're doing the miners uh but i mean they, they got did they get any better jack no i don't think so they they lose connor joe i mean then whatever um they lose chad cool they, don't whatever um they lose column a um they lose Jose iglesias and they gain the guys that you mentioned. This is a clear cut F for me. Wow. And there's no way around that. I, wow. Honestly, put me down for an F minus because I'm just I'm just sick. I'm just sick of it. Like I, this is all the, the harsh you know criticism that we give, like the Orioles and whatever. Like to me, this is 10 times worse. I, I, I'm going to go F minus. OK, you've got F minus. I've got D minus um, just because like Suter could be a major league reliever still uh Pierce Johnson could be a major league reliever. Um, they lost major league relievers. Yeah, I know, but like you replace them. Um Nice. Yeah, I D minus just cuz like it's not it's not the level of Oakland last year, but it's really close. Really really close. Yeah. I just yeah. think the difference is they have way more money and like they have way more ability. And that's why it's like, dude, the Oakland, that Oakland owner is worth $2 billion. I understand that. I get that. But I'm saying like just the team revenue, they, they, they yeah. drive more. It's just Shit, like the revenue can pay for Tyler Anderson if they want Tyler Anderson. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Or just, just like get Randall Grichuk out of there. <laughs> How much longer do we have to watch Charlie Blackman 
like playing every day. It's just insane to me. Um, and they didn't extend anybody, right? They didn't really give any deals to anybody, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, in in the last like year, they've extended. No, I know that, but I'm saying this off season. This off season, I don't think so. They extended Barnaby at, the, at the end of the 2022 season. Yeah, put me down for the F minus. All right, D minus, just because I reserve. Oh no, no, no! They got Nolan Jones. Ah, shit! They did get Nolan Jones. I like not put me down for uh, straight F. Straight F. F. All right. Nolan Jones, big power. I actually like that pickup for them. <laughs> used um, to be F minus. Now it's an F. An F. I, I really like the Nolan Jones pickup, but at the end of the day, he could just strike out and not really be a dude. So yeah. um, I like that pickup, though. He could mash in, in course. Okay. You've got an F. I've got a D minus. Um, yeah, I just reserve my F for the 2021-22 Oakland Athletics offseason. So <laughs> that's, that's <fair>. a, <laughs> All right. Uh, this was a fun one. Um, we'll be back. I think we're doing fantasy baseball content this week. So Hell yeah. Yeah, that'll be Peter and I uh, on tomorrow's episode. Um, it was really cool when the when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun looking back saying, remember when we didn't bet on the, 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 one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the best coaches of all time, and the, one of the best tight ends of all time? Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. You're talking about the, the what's his name, Gadsden or something? That, that's like plus 6,000 to score the first touchdown that Peter. Oh, Forston, Forston. Yeah. I know Peter's all over that one. Plus 6,000. Gadsden is the wide receiver for Syracuse. I think who was like good this year. Yeah. Yeah. Ronde Gadsden's son. Now that's, that's something <laughs> else, but enjoy the Super Bowl. Or I guess everybody, I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl and please send Jack a lot of happy birthday notes. I hope everybody's nursing their hangover effectively and don't you dare send me happy birthday notes. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.